Welcome to the Cowie Baptist Church podcast. To learn more about Cowie, including in our gathering times, visit us online at cowie.church. Enjoy the message. A series called Interrupted, and we come declaring uh, that in the midst of a broken world, in the midst of darkness, in the midst of even a time of silence, right, that hope has a name. And that through the birth and then through the sinless life and death of Jesus Christ and his resurrection, we have hope. Those of us who are in Christ have, Scripture says, been born again into a living hope. And sometimes uh, interruptions can be all kind of different things. I, I like it when kids interrupt kind of the craziness sometimes with just something a little bit fun. And uh, I've got a little picture of Miss Eva Cochran, and Miss Eva's one of our kingdom kids, and Matt and Alicia's uh, little girl, and she's reading and learning about the wise men. And so uh, her grandma's with her in that moment, and she's talking about them bringing gifts and all that kind of thing. And she had shared on Facebook and uh, just thought, man, what a, what a great thing and love. Uh, She's like a Cowie girl, and she's a Baptist, too, because this is what she said they were bringing. She said, now, what is it uh, that the wise men were bringing? Eva, what do you think they brought? And she replied, one brought soup, one brought gravy, and one brought biscuits. Now, that's my kind of girl right there, yeah. So, uh, she's definitely uh, got that figured out. But I love that, thought that was just awesome and, and loved uh, kids, I heard the story of this little girl who had gone to Sunday school, and she had she'd been in the Sunday school class, and she got back uh, to be with her parents, and she had drawn uh, this great picture. I actually had one uh, this morning that someone posted during our early service where this kid had drew just this great picture. Well, I tried to duplicate this one, and you'll see it. And so the, the, the little girl had, had drawn out this little picture, and the mom's looking at it, and she says, you know, she says, I'm, I'm trying to figure this out. She said, are you sure? this is the nativity? Are you sure this is to do with Christmas? And she said, yeah, mom, of course it is. And she said, well, what's the deal with the plane? She said, oh, well, well, that's the flight to Egypt, mom. She said, you got to get that. And she said, well, what about the guy in the cockpit? What's the story with him? Are you sure that's in the Bible? And she said, of course, that's Pontius the pilot. Don't you know anything? She said, well, I kind of see that Mary and Joseph and the baby Jesus, but who's the big guy in the back? little girl looked at her, and she said, you know who that is. That's round John Virgin. So that's round John Virgin in the back of there. But today, we're not going to talk about round John Virgin. We're going to talk about round John Virgin. We're going to look, and we've been walking through uh, Luke's gospel, chapter number one. If you want to take your copy of God's Word, we're going to continue walking through this passage. We're in verse 26. Uh, finished last week in verse 25, and we're, gonna, uh, we're really going to talk about an interruption. Now, I, I don't know about you, but many of you that have children, whenever you found out, and if you're a guy in the room, whenever you found out that your wife was pregnant and you heard that news, it's kind of an interruption, right, to life. All of a sudden you hear that, and it's kind of crazy. I actually bought a sermon illustration yesterday at the Dollar Tree, and I forgot it, and so I guess we have it if we need it, but it's a pregnancy test, right? So I, I, I was going to have that and just kind of talk about that. Now, many of you heard when, when my wife uh, became pregnant with my daughter, Hope, 
she called me in and she was going to show me uh, this pregnancy test. And there's like this, you know, line on it that says this and two lines mean this or whatever. And she shows it to me and I'm like in shock. And so I just walk out. Don't do that, by the way, if you're young. That is not the appropriate response in that moment. I'm just like in silence. I'm in shock. I I just kind of walk out. Now, Sherry, yesterday I said, I'm going to run in here and get this for a sermon illustration. She said, you're going to start all kinds of rumors. There were Cowie folks in there, you know. And I said, it's okay, honey. I'll try to keep the rumors down. I'll tell them it's not you. She was like, you got to be kidding. So (laughs) evidently that was a bad idea too. So I didn't do that. (laughs) I was like, that's not a good idea. So... um, it's sermon illustration. So anyway, uh, we, we look at this passage, and we're going to see an eruption. Wow, we're going to have to roll. Let's go. Verse 26, it says this. Now, in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city in Galilee called Nazareth. Now, Gabriel, remembers the real deal, right? He's the angel that is sent. And we see uh, last week that he uh, makes this announcement, right, about the, the birth of John the Baptist, about uh, Zacharias and Elizabeth. So we see uh, this. Now, Jesus, we know, was born in his parents' ancestral town. Next week, we're going to see how God interrupted the whole world, right, because of that, right? But he's born in, in this ancestral town, in their ancestral town of Bethlehem. But we also uh, see that Nazareth is mentioned, right, in the New Testament as the home of Mary and Joseph. You can see a little map uh, of, of kind of where some of that lays out. So you see Nazareth way up uh, in the top and then Bethlehem uh, down in the corner. So it's about 80 miles to the south. Uh, and so a time after the birth of Christ, we know uh, that they went back uh, to Nazareth, and that's where Jesus grew up. But Nazareth is kind of like this place like Cowie, that it's not the place you would have picked. Like it's not New York. It's, it's like Otto. It's just a little spot in nowhere, right? You, you, you're like, you just went through a town and you're like, Nazareth's got a post office? You got to be kidding me. And so here they are and, and this is this unlikely place. And we're going to read about this unlikely girl. We're going to read and it says in verse 27 that, uh, that he shows up and he, and he uh, begins to uh, talk to this a uh, young virgin, right, to a virgin engaged to a man, verse 27 says, whose name was Joseph of the descendants of David, and the virgin's name was Mary. Now, this is a teenage girl, right? And, and you think about this. This is a teenage girl. This angel shows up, and he looks at this teenage girl. Now, this is a, a person that uh, we would not have picked to deliver the Messiah. This is somebody that we would not have thought of, and I, I want to just make a statement this morning that has a real core of something we see in this passage that God uses and chooses unlikely people to do unimaginable things so that he gets all the glory, right? That's that's how God works. When you look at the disciples, when you look at the way God selects people, Scripture says that he has chosen the foolish things of this world to confound the wise. 1 Corinthians 1 uh, verse 26 and 27 says that, you know, there's uh, consider your calling, brethren. There were not many wise. There were not... uh, Many wise according to the flesh, not many mighty, not many noble. But God has chosen the foolish things of this world to shame the wise. And he has chosen the weak things of the world to shame the things which are strong. So if you come into this place this morning and you feel unworthy and unable, I want to tell you that you are in the perfect spot for God to use you. If you came in this morning saying, well, I don't know about the rest of these people, but I've got all this figured out and I am much in a much better place, then then you're nowhere near in a place that God 
uh, can use you. But if you feel unworthy and unable, you are in the right spot. Welcome to Cowie. And I believe God is assembling a group of people like that. Johnny Hunt made a statement one time that is stuck in my crawl forever. And he said, God's looking to take a bunch of nobodies, fill them with somebody, and then use them to tell everybody the good news of Jesus Christ. And that's the kind of plan that I can sign up for. That's the kind of plan uh, that we can be in a bunch of nobodies. And he fills them with somebody and sends them on mission for the glory of his name. Now, Mary and Joseph are engaged. And in Matthew 1, we see uh, this word uh, betrothed. And there's some important things that we need to know about their uh, engagement or their betrothal, right? In the Jewish custom uh, in Israel, there was this uh, split of the marriage into uh, three uh, stages. So you've got this first stage, which is the choice of the mate. Now, how many of you girls would like this? Maybe it's the parents saying, maybe a matchmaker is looking around and they're saying, okay, here is a match. Now, uh, what we're doing, we're saying, hey, Miss Maddie, I, we pick you and we pick you and we here we go. And so the parents and the people, they're going to look at this. Now, that seems crazy uh, to us, but they're going to take some time and they're going to approve uh, this match, and then they're going to enter into a formal agreement. This is really the first part of this process. And once they enter into this formal agreement, this contract uh, for you guys in here could be a great thing, right? Because this contract, us dads, a lot of times it involved a dowry, right? So it could be uh, an exciting thing for that. But the, once this contract had been signed and sealed, once that had happened, it was a done deal, right? It, they were bound together. They entered this stage called betrothal, and they were bound together in, as husband and wife. And if a woman committed adultery or, or became pregnant in this time, she was viewed as an adulterer and could be stoned publicly. Now, we're going to see how Joseph handled that. We're going to see uh, that the groom had uh, the option to settle this matter privately. But this is the situation that Mary is in. So this angel shows up, and Scripture says that coming in, he said to her, greetings, favored one. The Lord is with you. Talk about an interruption. All right, you, you, all of a sudden, there's an angel. You're a teenage girl. You're minding your own business. You're in the room, and not just any angel, but Gabriel shows up, and he's the real deal, shows up and says, greetings, favored one, the Lord is with you. I want you to imagine that moment. This is crazy stuff. Now, she hears this, and she's perplexed at this statement. She's wondering what this looks like. In verse 29, it says she kept pondering what kind of salutation this was. She's going, what in the world is he saying? What is this? I mean, I'm favored with God. I'm probably going to get some new sheep. I, I'm, there's maybe a camel coming my way. I mean, I'm favored with God. This has got to be incredible. And that's how we think about those kind of things. That's how we think about the favor of God. And fact is, there's false teaching out there that would say uh, that if you're a child of God, that you're never going to experience anything bad. There's a prosperity gospel out there that says, hey, there's never anything bad that's going to come your way. And, and God intends for all of his children uh, to, to be well. And if you'll follow Jesus, you're going to get all this money and you're going to do all these kind of things. But the scripture doesn't teach that, right? The scripture says that in this world, you're going to have trouble, right? The scripture says that as we've been walking through first Peter that we face suffering and that we face difficulty and I want to encourage you and say that if you uh, experience the favor of God you're going to be inconvenienced you're going to be walking through uh, difficult times it's not going to be all about you but it's going to be all about him but he's going to do something extraordinary in the midst of your life and you're going to find joy in the midst of that David Nasser who is a great preacher to this generation says that the favor of God does not mean uh, favors from God and that's what many times in our culture we here, but that's not what it means. Now, verse 30, the angel says to her, do not be afraid, Mary. And that's how angels always uh, engage because people are scared to death when they're in their presence. So he says, don't be afraid, Mary, for you found favor with God. 
Let me give you the lowdown. Here's how it's going to work. Verse 31, he says, Behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall name him Jesus. And he will be great and be called the Son of the Most High, and the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. His kingdom will have no end. And Mary hears all this. Man, she's like, say what? Can you imagine processing all this? Like, this is fixing to happen to you. And if we see Zachariah's response, right, he questions what's going on. But Mary asks this question in a different way. And she says, how can this be since I am a virgin? This can't be. Tell me how this could take place. Mary's not questioning the reality of it, but she says this is impossible. She believed the declaration, but she couldn't figure out how she was going to get to that destination. Verse 35, the angel answers and says to her, the Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High shall overshadow you. And for that reason, the Holy Child shall be called the Son of God. So he says, here's how it's going to happen, Mary. And we don't have time to get into too many of the, just the, the details and things this morning. But he says, here's how it's going to happen. Just as the Holy Spirit hovered over the earth uh, in Genesis chapter 1, uh, he now is going to hover over Mary. And when this happens, he says, God is going to do something impossible. And, and we see in this passage that there's this virgin birth, that, that he is uh, going to, uh, that Mary is going to be with child. And so we say, you know, this is hard for my mind to get, but I want you to understand this is a critical piece of our faith. It is critical to our faith that, that Jesus was God before he was born, right? Scripture says that all things were created by him and for him, and that there wasn't anything that was created that was apart from him, that he was God before he was born. And we need to understand that he was fully God uh, after he was born. And, and we see this, uh, what's referred to by theologians is this hypostatic union where we have uh, Jesus as fully God and fully man. Isaiah 9, 6, we recognize that passage. It says, for unto us a child is born. Unto us a son is given. From earth's perspective, there's this child that is born. And from heaven's perspective, a Son is given. There was never a moment that he started being God. He is eternal. And there was never and is never a moment that he stopped being God. Born of a virgin without an earthly father, without a sin nature. You and I, Scripture says that, that, that we are born uh, by uh, sinners by nature and by choice, right? Scripture says that, uh, that as by one man sin entered into the world, Romans 5, he says that, that uh, and death by sin, and so death passed upon all men, for all have sinned. But we have the holy, righteous Son of God without sin, without a sin nature, born of a virgin, without an earthly father. Joseph raised him, right? But he was the Son of God. Verse 36, and it says, And behold, even your relative Elizabeth has conceived a son in her old age, and she who was called barren is now in her sixth month. Verse 37, for nothing will be impossible with God. Now, here's where we're going to land this plane, so to speak. And Lord, may it be done to me according to your word. And the angel departed for her. And here's what she said. She said, I trust you. I know that I'm going to face ridicule. I'm having a hard time understanding all this. But I know that God has 
a plan. The response of Mary is the response that God wants from us, and it is a response of faith. Mary, she's an ordinary, common, everyday person. In fact, is if you want to know every person that you read about in the Scripture is a common, ordinary, everyday person. Every uh, person, there are no people that are great, but there are people that are used by our great God. And it is Him that receives glory and honor. And the favor of God, it is different than what we think of. It is different than we might look at. And it requires some things in our life. When the favor of God, uh, it's different than what we might have our minds around. And it requires a surrendering of our plans. Can you imagine, Mary? She's got all these plans. I wish we had time to, to, to just think about this process and the things that she's dreaming about and the wedding that's coming and all of the things that would have been going on. But she is required to surrender her plans. She is required not only to surrender her plans, but she surrenders her weakness. She surrenders uh, this thought. Can you imagine when she says, you're going to, uh, when God says, this angel says, you're going to deliver the Messiah to the world. And she says, do you know who I am? I'm a teenage girl from Podunk. I am a teenage girl from Otto. This can't be me. This can't be that kind of thing. But we surrender our weakness, right, and surrender and trust to our Lord. And we submit to his plan over our plan. He took, God took an ordinary teenage girl, and he used her to deliver Jesus to the world. Her life was interrupted. It was changed forever. But it was filled with purpose that will last forever. May it be done to me according to your word. You know, when we think about what does God want from us, everything, what is our response to his grace? You know, we sung at the very beginning, this is amazing grace. What is our response to the grace and mercy of God? And it is surrender of everything. It is surrender of our very lives. It's saying, you know, Romans 12, Paul says that, that he said, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God. He said, in light of the mercies of God, that you present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable God, which is your reasonable act of service. He said, this is your worship. This is where you're at. Luther Rice, who made an incredible uh, impact among mission work and among uh, even just Baptist history, uh, after three years of this internal struggle, he undertook what was called a blank page test. Uh, his life was incredibly impacting, and he took out a blank piece of paper, and you'll see one on the screen, and he wrote his name at the bottom of it. And in a journal dated September 15, 1805, Rice noted, after meditating a while upon the duty of unconditional submission to God, I concluded that had an opportunity, I would actually put a blank page into God's hand to be filled as his pleasure would dictate. Serenity seemed to fill his soul, as he later recalled. On the following morning, Rice renewed his commitment. I did then, on bended knees, give myself to the eternal commitment, to the eternal Jehovah, soul and body, for time and eternity be dealt with as he should see fit. Mary said, do unto me according to your word. She said, God, I don't understand all that it's going to take, but deliver Jesus through me. And isn't that the role of every Christian today, that our response to the grace and mercy of God would be to say, Lord, I surrender all, right? God desires that we might come and what God could do with a group of people that would say, you know what, I, I surrender all. Not just a little bit of my life, but Lord, here's a blank slate. Not my will, but yours be done. Lord, use my life to deliver Jesus through me. God, deliver Jesus to those who are in my workplace. Use me to deliver Jesus to those who are in my school, to those who are in my sports team. 
even if it costs me. Mary responded to God's call and surrender, and she delivered Jesus to this world. And if we'll respond and surrender, I believe with all my heart that God is looking for a bunch of nobodies filled with somebody that would say, you know what, my life is yours. Lord, do unto me according to your will. Not, Lord, if you'll tell me what you want me to do, then I'll do it. But a people who will come with a blank page and sign their name to the bottom of it and say, Lord, there's a greater work than anything I can imagine. And my response to your grace and to your mercy and to your love and to your goodness, Lord, is everything. Lord, I surrender my life to you. Lord, I surrender my will. I surrender my weakness, Lord, and I submit to your plan. Lord, whatever that is, God will use you to reach the unreachable. He'll use you in the midst of a world that is broken to deliver Jesus. My challenge to you is to just respond in obedience, whatever that looks like. See, the cradled Christ becomes the crucified Christ, and he made a way for you and I to be forgiven, to be saved, to be set free. Because of the virgin birth, through the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ, there can be new birth. If you've never trusted Jesus for salvation, we want to invite you to respond to his gracious gift of salvation. Scripture says that it's by grace through faith that we are saved, right? It says it is the gift of God, not of works, lest anyone could boast that it is God's grace. And our response is in faith. I want to ask you just to bow your head and close your eyes for just a moment. We're going we're gonna to worship together as we close the service today. We're going to have a time of just praise to our Lord. And if we can be praying for you, if you'd like to pray, feel free to come to this altar and my hope is that there might be in our hearts this morning of people with just a blank piece of paper in their mind. My challenge to you would be just to it's in your heart to put your name at the bottom of that. Just say, Lord, here I am. And I, I surrender all, Lord. I desire that you might use me. God, I'm unworthy unable, but Lord, I know that you are great and that you are able. Your word tells us that when we surrender our life to Christ and we are saved by your grace, Lord, that you gift us with your Holy Spirit. Jesus said it would be expedient that he would go away because if he went away that he would send the comforter, the Holy Spirit that would guide us and encourage us and direct us and convict us. We pray this morning that power of his spirit might hover over us, that, that God might see fit to manifest his presence in lives around this room, that he might speak to our hearts and that we might respond in obedience. Lord, I surrender all. Lord, here's a blank page. Lord, you are worthy of God, so much more than I can give. God, I surrender and give all that I am and all that I have. And I pray that you'll use me to deliver Jesus to my world. Father, we love you. We pray if there's any that don't know you, Lord, that you might stir in their hearts. God, that they might be saved this morning. They might be transformed from death to life. Lord, I pray if there's uh, any here this morning that have never taken that next step of obedience, Lord, they've closed, they've 
house, everything that they need, God, I pray that God, you might stir in their heart and they might say, you know what, today I, I submit to your, God, and Lord, I want to be obedient to you and I want to be baptized as a believer. God, however you speak to us, Lord, I pray, God, that we would be obedient, Lord, that we would take our next step, Lord, that you would use these people that you've assembled in this place, God, online, and God, however folks are connected, Lord, that you would use them to deliver Jesus to their world. In Jesus' name, amen. Would you stand?
It's, uh, again, been an honor and privilege to worship uh, our great God together. It's been great to be uh, just together in, uh, in His presence, and we uh, pray that you have a good week, that we might leave this place uh, on mission for the glory of His name, that we might leave this place with uh, surrender to Him, uh, that we might leave this place knowing that uh, every one of us, if you are a follower of Jesus Christ, uh, has been called to go and to proclaim the good news of who he is, to share, uh, to make disciples. I want to encourage you as we uh, just look into the new year, you'll see some reading plan um, papers uh, out, and you'll also see on cowie.church forward slash disciple uh, a way that you can connect into a corporate reading plan uh, through the YouVersion app. Uh, I want you to be prayerful uh, about being part of one of our D groups, one of our uh, or one of our e-groups this coming year, you'll see in the church app on the bulletin page or on the website just a place you can connect in next steps and let us know uh, of your interest there. But we've seen God just work in amazing ways as believers, uh, groups of, of three to five uh, same-gender believers are just gathering around the Word of God uh, throughout the year, reading the same passages of Scripture, just in intentional, accountable relationships with one another, whether that be in person, uh, online. We want you to prayerfully consider just saying, you know what, I'm going to, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to dig into his word, I'm going to walk with others in his word, and I'm going to be obedient uh, to his word. And we'd love to help connect that. We'd love for you to connect that on your own. Uh, we think the best way that that happens is organically, where you say, you know what, I know these three or four guys, and we get together. But we'd love to help equip you in that journey. Thank you so much for being here uh, today. Uh, God bless you all. We love you. Uh, I want to ask if Hugh Brown would come and close us uh, in prayer today. I'd love uh, for you to do that, Hugh, and, um, and we'll be dismissed. Our good and gracious our God and Father in heaven, Lord, we thank you uh, that you reign and rule in majesty and in power, uh, Lord, and that you are not just all that, all just power and just majesty and glory, Lord, but you are kindness and you are gracious and you are merciful and forgiving, Lord, and we thank you uh, that Christ absorbed our sins on the cross uh, on our behalf, Lord, and we pray that we would all uh, live our lives in a manner that's worthy of the gospel and worthy of the Lord as we go forth, Lord. Bless our time with our family and our friends and in our community. Uh, let us be a different people, set apart for you, for your cause and for your glory and for our good. In Christ's name and for Christ's sake we pray. Amen.